This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Hello, guys. This is Dalton from Tulsa in the great, not-so-great state of Oklahoma. You were talking on your last show about the new bill proposed to restrict marriage to only people of faith, and everybody else could file an affidavit for a common-law marriage. That's all well and good, yet... The state of Oklahoma does not recognize common law marriage as a thing in any way. So the bill translates to everybody else who lives in the state as, if you are a Christian or a Jew, you may get married. Everybody else can piss off. Which means if you're not a person of faith, you don't get federally guaranteed rights. So, awesome on our part, I guess, here in Oklahoma. Glory hole, love you guys, bye. Hey, Big Rob from Texas here. Also, big fan from Texas here. Glory hole, motherfuckers. So, I noticed you've uh, been thanking a lot of patrons lately. Been uh, giving shout-outs to people that actually sent you, you know, tangible objects. However, you skipped over me in, in a shout-out, even though I have been offering help commentary for your opening, you know, call-in segment, you know, whenever you do the, the opening thing. Kind of like, you know, like like the, the the lame, unknown comic goes out to kind of get the crowd ready before the actual, you know, show starts for the real comedian. I don't know what that's called. Anyway, so I thought, in effort to get a shout-out, I'm going to tell a joke. So, here we go. So this walrus is driving around his car, right? And he says, uh, he hears the car, it's making like a clunkety, clunkety, clunky sound. So he pulls into, like, this mechanic shop, okay? The mechanic's like, man, you know, I got a lot of cars going on here. Why don't you, uh, you know, go sit down in the waiting room, walrus, that's going to be a man. The walrus is like, well, you know, I saw a yogurt stand a good ways back. I'm just going to walk over there, get some yogurt, and by the time I come back, hopefully you'll be done with the car. So the walrus goes over, gets some yogurt. He has no opposable thumbs, okay? So he just puts his giant fins out there and stuffs his face into the bowl of yogurt. <laughs> That probably lasts longer than it needed to for the joke. And, you know, yogurt's all over his face. He comes back. Uh, mechanic looks at him. Walrus says, hey, how's the car looking? Mechanic goes, yeah, it looks like you blew a seal. And he goes, no, it's just yogurt. Glory hole. advise that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 206, and we are actually joined by a guest for this episode, if you can believe that. Somebody was foolish enough to give us their time and or attention <laughs> right. for uh, at least 15 to 20 minutes before they... And that's actually 
15 to 20 minutes is is a good 11 and a half minutes more attention than I generally get. Right, yeah. So, you I, know, and it feels like a lifetime to many of us. Um. <laughs> He's already signing out. Yeah. He didn't even get past the intro. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. I but, don't either at all. What at all? So we're, we're lucky enough to be joined uh, this fine evening by Seth Andrews from The Thinking Atheist. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Seth. No, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I'm a fan of what you guys are about. I love the chemistry you have on the radio and, you know, never a dull moment with you guys. You know, it's uh, I'll just be the designated driver for the entire broadcast. Right? You guys just hit the hooch and we'll oh, just bet. drive everybody home when the party's oh, over. You don't have to right? tell us twice. Yeah. We've already kind of hit it. So. We'll call it communion. Yeah, yeah we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, just skip the wafers. It just dilu- it just it just soaks it all up. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's for after. You don't want to fill up on bread. <laughs> so, Seth, we wanted to talk to you uh, about this story from, unsurprisingly, the raw story. Uh, court rejects Christians' discrimination lawsuit that social security number is the mark of the beast. Um, and I gotta say, first before we launch into it, the photo that the raw story chose. <laughs> This guy staring at the screen is uh, absolutely crazily unsettling. So if you get a chance to click on the link, uh, hopefully they will not change that bizarre piece. Of, and that's that's from Shutterstock too. That's the best part. Yeah. It's like that's a piece of stock footage. Yeah. Oh, so that's not really the guy. That's just some. <laughs> that's somebody actually posed for this. <laughs> so, well, not only did somebody pose for it, but somebody was like, yes, put it in the bank. We'll need that one for later. Yeah, yeah. Stock image. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be dozens of times yeah. we'll need this man with lip pimples. Someone may need this in the future. If I can, you know, verbally, yeah. if I can sort of draw an audio picture for you, just picture the entire cast of, of train spotting <laughs> with a barcode stamped on their head. That's exactly what this cat looks I was like. Thinking, I was thinking like a young Sith Lord myself. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, oh. you know, when I was um, a, a young person, I remember there was somebody somewhere who um, they had looked at the Bible and they had done some kind of weird math that uh, there were so many sixes in the Bible. And of course, 666 is the mark of the beast. They used to show us these really frightening films. They're cheesy by today's standards, but frightening to us, uh, called A Thief in the Night that talked about the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. The book of Revelation come to pass. The whole world goes to hell in a handbasket. So you better come forward and accept Jesus because you don't want to get your head chopped off. That kind of stuff, you know. And um, so anytime somebody talks about the mark, you know, this is the mark of Satan. I always think to myself, you know, Satan must just have a hell of a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, this on the heels of that lady with the uh, monster energy drink, yeah. right? She's... <laughs> I love I mean, that lady. <laughs> that Satan is just sitting around in the Barco Langer going, you know, this ought to be as funny as hell. Let's make it so whenever they drink Monster, it turns the cross upside down and becomes a satanic symbol. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. I watched that and I thought, like, this woman was clearly an English major. Coming from that, that myself, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, shit, I've got to find, like, seven symbols in Huck Finn. <laughs> Okay, fuck. There's a river. That's got to mean yeah. something. You're, you know, at some point you're just making things up. It's so true. You're That's just. Awesome. It's like I'm going to deconstruct the monster. Ca- That's somebody who's seriously. They're like, 
they're an hour and a half away from defending their fucking thesis in English lit, and it's like <laughs> it's all like post-structural critical theory, and they, their mind is just they're like yeah. They're they're deconstructing burritos. Yeah. They can't point. look at the world right. at all normally. That's, right. there's, there's, that's over. There's it's no done. more chance of everything. That. There's a simple. hidden code in everything. There was a guy back in the, I want to say it's the 70s, 80s, early 80s. His name is Phil Phillips. He wrote a book called Turmoil in the Toy Box. What? And uh, there's, a, there's an accompanying <laughs> video you can YouTube, but it's alarming. And what it is is this guy, he saw satanic messages in... Toys like Pokemon was of the devil. What? Uh, He-Man was master of the universe, meaning that he was master and not Jesus. He was trying to usurp Jesus in the master role. Well, okay. All right. Now, that one might be legitimate because He-Man could kick the shit out of Jesus. (laughs) I mean, that dude is ripped. He's straight up legit. What were some other ones? Um, Yoda, uh, they actually (laughs) talked about um, a form of magic based on the Force. And so Star Wars was demonic. And it was a form of magic called Obi magic after Obi-Wan. And just one thing after the other, everything was satanic. And they were just scaring the crap out of these these parents who were eager to lap it all up, right? It was the satanic panic. It was that era where everything was, everybody was going after your children and heaven and hell were in the balance and... And it was just insane. And these fear pimps managed to really psychologically scar a lot of people. And you can talk to them now as they're adults and they have real bitterness because, you know, I was just a kid, right? I'm just trying to be a young person. Mom runs into my room. She starts playing all my records backwards. Oh my God. What's that about? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and it's scary and it's weird and all they see Satan everywhere because mm-hmm. they're sort of programmed to believe he's everywhere and it's just crazy and, and they're that way about a lot of things. So no, the social security number is probably just a matter of time, yeah, right? right. You know, somebody was going to say Somebody's going to pick it up eventually. I, I remember that as a child too. I was, uh, I was religious as a child and I remember, um, hanging out with, uh, somebody else's father. Uh, it was an, a friend of mine's father. We were at their house, you know, as kids do, you hang out at somebody else's house and, I remember, I think what happened was, is that there was that panic, but the panic hit the adults first. And the adults, I think, were not smart enough or not worldly enough or um, or just were so ingrained in their beliefs that they couldn't filter that information to their children in a way that, I guess, respected their children's fears. Because in my, I remember he scared the hell out of us. And that's all it really was, was just this. It was like a tidal wave of fear. I remember finding out about hell. At a, you know, I remember there was, you know, there was talk of it when I was a kid, but nobody really talked about it. But then the sort of the gross descriptions of it later on, and then the descriptions of how this is the end times. We're in the end times. This is coming up. You go, there's going to be a six, six, six. They're going to stamp your hand. You got to, you got to reject the beast. You got to stay away from that sort of thing. And you got to be holy. And I just remember being so afraid of revelation growing up that it yeah. petrified me. I would stay up at night awake, just worried, sick about Revelation. And, and the adults really just inflicted that on me. Well, there's nothing more terrifying, too, to children than the fear of their parents. Yeah. Like, if you want to fucking scare a kid as a parent, be scared yourself and let them see that fear. Yeah, yeah. Man, because that will yeah. absolutely, they're just like, fucking that that mm-hmm. person feeds my meals and clothes me and yep. tells me yep. everything's okay. Yeah. And if they're telling me the opposite yeah. thing, it's just yeah. nightmare fuel. Yeah. I remember one... I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but talk about fear that it was a very, very, very religious family. And um, I was I was just gotten a job in the video production industry. It's probably 14 years ago. And 
one of he was like an intern he was a new hire an intern guy this very young minnow product of an extremely strict christian homeschool right i mean this guy was like you ever see that movie where randy quaid plays the quaker who goes out on the road trip with woody harrelson yeah. i mean the guy yeah, has yeah, never yeah. seen he's barely seen the sun right, right? and so <laughs> I, I took him on a on a video shoot trip and we went to south carolina to go shoot a weekend thing for a client and the guy's looking out the window like you know like uh the natives like the, those people who saw fire for the first time <laughs> everything is a discovery i'm thinking of like and, the german pow's like going through america like your your buildings are still standing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very much that i mean i was i literally was just i was sort of taking a mental note of how sheltered this guy had been he's just a pr big heart great kid but he uh we're, we're flying home Sunday night. We get caught in some weather and we get stuck in our layover in Dallas and we can't get back till the following day. So we go through all of that. Well, I tell you all that to tell you this <clears throat> on um, Tuesday, when I'm back at the office, the dust is settled. I get a call from this dude's mom and she is as, as holy roller as they come. You know, she is that denim jean skirt, hair in a bun, barely any makeup <laughs> Sunday, go to meeting. Uh, you know, I mean, whoa. Yeah. And she called up and she said, I just called because I wanted to apologize to you. And I said, apologize? She said, yes. You know, I prayed to Jesus for traveling mercies for your trip, but I forgot to pray for traveling mercies for your return home. And when I heard <laughs> that you were delayed, I felt such grief in my heart. Oh. Now, I'm still a believer at the time. Sure. I'm still, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an ambivalent believer. I literally, um, I said, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> you, you gotta be, I mean, this is insane. And she was as, as serious oh. as a heart attack. And those people are out there and they exist and they, everything is a war. Everything yeah. is a battle. It's either yeah. light or darkness, good or evil. And uh, there's no, there's, there are no non-players. The, even the most innocuous of things out there, the things you think, oh, that's nothing. The monster energy drinks of the world yeah. are actually big tools right. in this battle between, uh, you know, Yahweh and Lucifer. And it's it's a little terrifying to see these people, you know, and to know they vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. Now, you you were a believer and you clearly believed in revelations. You believed the the, the literal version of or the, of revelations. Right. You believed that yeah. when you read it, you thought this was sort of a blueprint for apocalypse. Right. Yeah. I didn't understand a lot of it. I mean, the revelation is such a. a bizarre yeah. oh yeah bizarre weird twisted kind of a you know yeah. it's really an acid trip of of theology kind of thing my father my parents are both theologian level believers my father when i was younger uh attempted to memorize the entire book of revelation what what why yeah is that is that that's wow. how hardcore they are of all the books though I, yeah, yeah I know. all the books you pick the fever dream written by lunatics yeah like, i'm like you know hey look could we take a mental break and maybe go learn mandarin chinese instead <laughs> right i mean come on and uh, uh 
But he, I think he got through the seven seven chapters or so, and I, he finally sort of gave up. But it was, you know, it was the end times, capital E, capital T, the end times. One day the trumpet will sound. And then there's all this debate about, well, is it a literal trumpet? Will it be something the whole world can see and hear? Or is it going to be like in the movie where all the believers just disappear? Yeah, yeah. Are you post-trib or pre-trib or a-trib, meaning when does the seven-year tribulation happen? And for yeah. some reason in the book of Revelation, as the story goes, the standard interpretation of the uh, tribulation is is that Jesus comes and raptures all of his children away. And then for some reason, he decides it'd be awesome to give control of the entire planet to his arch enemy <laughs> for seven <laughs> years. Oh. <laughs> what, you know, what do you think, I, it, Seth, what do you think explains the weird fetishization of Armageddon that people seem to to have? Because it's not just... Like, if I really believed in Armageddon, and thankfully I have no inkling of belief in Armageddon, but if I really believed in it, yeah. um, I think that would be, of all the things I would want to spend my time and energy focusing on, that would not that would not rank in the top 200. I would be like, that's fine. But we, they fetishize it. Like I don't know. You know, I, I try to get my head around it. Part of me thinks that they are compensating for maybe a, a deep-seated fear of death. There, there's an obsession with death. Yeah. You know what's weird is that most religious people who believe in a, in a perfect heaven and they're going to get this, you know, they're going to get a mansion that makes Justin Bieber's place look like, you know. Uh, uh, a cardboard uh, box those- on Wacker Drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the equivalent of the shop. Shopping cart, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, right. and they're going to have perfect bliss, and they are, it's going to be awesome beyond words, and yet they are terrified <laughs> yeah. of death. Right. And I've, I've often had this conversation, you know, if you really do believe you're going to be at the right hand of your dad, your father, your heavenly father, and there's perfect peace and bliss and joy, and you're reunited with grandpa and the family dog... Why would you ever click a seatbelt? Why would you ever buy or load a handgun? Why would you ever lock a door? Why would you not welcome death? You guys see that scene in Religious when Bill Maher walks up to the guy who's talking about how, you know, hey, heaven is so much better. Heaven's awesome. Heaven's awesome. And Bill looks at him and goes, well, great. Why don't you just kill yourself? And the guy just looked at him like, I don't know. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, is it because it's sort of a, a grand climax to the story? Maybe it's their way of keeping their eyes on the uh, on the skies instead of focusing on the reality of their doctrine. I, I couldn't really answer what the fascination is, but it certainly is there. Many, many, many times it almost resembles a death cult. I can't wait for the world to end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's like it's like not only is there are they are they like over interested you know, to a way in, in a way that that's obsessive and unhealthy, but um, there's a looking forward to it. There's a there's a glee, there's a gleam in the eye of the believer sometimes when they get an opportunity to preach Armageddon to the non-believer. Right? It's not, you know, they'll, they'll say on the one hand that oh, I'm doing this to save you, right? Like, and I, and I think some of them genuinely believe that, but then there are others who seem to take genuine and evident joy in attempting to inflict as much fear in other people about Armageddon. They're like, you know, they're like, I, they're, they're certain that they're going and they want you to be just as certain that you're not. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. and that's just like, there's like a masochism, like a sadomasochistic element to that whole uh, dialogue. Well, probably as much or more than anything, it's an appeal to emotion, right? Yeah. When, when you're trying to get somebody to acquiesce, to sort of surrender to your point of view and you're not winning on the facts, 
Well, you look at them and you go, well, you don't want to burn, do you? Right. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to burn yeah. forever, do you? Because you know what? I've had people send me messages, right? People who in love tell me that they will laugh at me when I'm cooking wow. in hell and they're looking down from heaven. Now, I mean, and, and to be fair, you know, most people who go to the church on the corner, they, they're not like that. They don't have that sort sure, of sadistic, sure. but it, there, you know, it's out there. And I think what it is, is it's, I think it reveals the fact that they haven't really made an intellectual decision. They haven't made a rational decision. They made an emotional decision. They were probably scared as a young person or maybe at a vulnerable time in their lives with the idea of cooking forever. And so to avoid that, they will um, surrender, supposedly surrender their lives to the person who uh, will choose not to cook them forever, you know, and not one stopping and going, why does dad want to cook us? Right. (laughs) Why does (laughs) Hey, why would dad cook us? I mean, that conversation to them just never really happens. I don't understand it. Um, But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, people have been scaring, literally trying to scare the hell out of people for thousands of years or, you know, at least since the dawn of Christianity in, in what, 300 AD or whatever. So, you know, and the fear will continue. And I think that will become more intense as they continue to lose more and more on the facts. The information age is setting people free. Yeah. And thanks. If you've been watching Pat Robertson at all and Sarah Palin and whatnot, you know, these people are just a few fries short of a happy meal, right? <laughs> they're just, they're, they are just about to pop an O-ring because they are, they no longer have a monopoly on the conversation yeah. and they're going to get freaky. Well, so speaking of cooking, you're going to be heading down to Australia soon. Is that, is that a, yeah, you know, it's funny is I, last year um, I put together a tour with a couple of buddies of mine. I mean, it wasn't anything major. It was just I, Aaron Raw and Matt Dillahunty and I are buddies. And uh, I actually met them at the first the, my first public appearance when I kind of came out as an atheist the first time and showed my face and gave my name. It was a big deal for me. It was back in uh, 2011. Uh-huh. And I happened to meet them at an event at that same day. And we just clicked. It's this weird thing. You know, we're all very different, but we just totally clicked. And I thought, you know, we have such chemistry on stage. Wouldn't it be fun to do a tour together? So last year I put together an idea and I called the guys and I said, look, what if you and I, what if all three of us were to do a deal and call it the unholy Trinity? (laughs) Do you think people would get the joke, right? Do you think they'd know that we were just poking fun at the Trinity and we didn't think we were all that? But do you think they'd go there? Oh, hey, what a great idea. And so we did three cities. We did Amarillo, Albuquerque, San Antonio and had a massive audience and huge success. And we got uh, an email or a phone call or an email from uh, the Atheist Foundation of uh, Australia. And they said, how would you like to bring the unholy Trinity down under? Nice. And we thought, oh, let me think. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's a dream, right? I mean, I've always wanted to. I always thought I'd go down to be watching the Australian Open Tennis Tournament. But, hey, this is even better. And so uh, in uh, mid-March, all three of us are going down and we're going to do – Tour stops. We're going to actually do live presentations in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. And then I have to get back to the States, but the guys are staying to do some stuff in Perth and some other areas and going to New Zealand. And so they're making a, almost a month out of it, as oh, I understand wow. it. It's going to be awesome. Oh, so if anybody, you know, if anybody wanted to know more about it or they know someone who's going to be in, in Sydney, Brisbane, or Melbourne, they can go to uh, unholytrinitydownunder.com and all the tour details are right there. So tell me a little bit about the two, about, about the, the show that you guys are actually doing. Like what it, well, on stage, what's the nature of the show? Like what's the nature of your, of your program? Well, what we did last year was, um, 
each one of us came out and we all kind of walk out on stage together at the beginning and we just, you know, it's, it's family. It sounds cliche to say it that way, <laughs> but there is a connection with everybody in that room. Uh, especially the fact that we did this in highly religious cultures. Sure. So, you know, many of these people feel like they're breathing for the first time. You know, they're around people who don't think they're insane or crazy or demon possessed. And um, so we'll come out and we'll each do kind of a short formal presentation with slides and whatnot. I mean, they're fun. And, and but the, mo the fun part really is after that, all three of us take the stage and we just interact with the audience. The audience gets mics and we just, we ask questions, we talk, you know, that we ask them questions, they talk to us and give, and we, and we just have dialogue and the clock just flies and it's a ball. And then when it's over, we get a chance to hang around, shake hands, hug. Uh, occasionally they'll ask us to sign something, you know, that's always very sweet, but, but mostly I think it's a chance for us to support the local groups yeah. and to remind people in those communities that, it's okay. You know, we're not, we're not saying we have the, all the answers, right? I'm not Yoda. Uh, I, yes. I, what, what I'm saying yeah. is you're more articulate than Yoda. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, all your, all your syntax is not backwards. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Uh, did you guys see that, uh, that cartoon with the Yoda's tombstone? And instead of RIP, it says IPR. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, just, I don't know why. But anyway, the, the, we're saying we don't have the answers, but it's okay to ask the questions. And uh, everybody leaves with a big grin on their face, especially us. And so while we, you know, we're all going to, we're going to do an exploration of scripture. We're going to pop into, you know, what religion is and isn't, how we can be most effective. We'll each have a different kind of a speech that we give. Really, the best part is to see whatever comes out of the audience. Yeah. And sometimes there are theists. There may be a church group that shows up. Who knows what's going to happen? So it's going to be exciting. How much time is spent on the penis puppetry, though? Yeah. I think that's the part. <laughs> <laughs> penis puppetry. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. It's funny that uh -oh, this, is yeah. this is a perfect segue. This is perfect segue. That joke was either not going anywhere or going no, 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 somewhere really way. unsettling. I, so. I, just, I just finished a book that I'm releasing in April. And it's called Sacred Cows, A Lighthearted Look at Belief and Tradition Around the World. And it's written as a humor book. My illustrator's name is Vince DePorter, and he's uh, drawn for Batman and and uh, SpongeBob. And the guy's just a genius. And he happens to be a heathen. He, he's, an, he's a total anti-theist, and he has been aching for the chance to use his gifts in the conversation against superstition. And so he and I were like a match made in heaven. His, his illustrations are just killer. And so in the book... I sort of pinball around the world, and we talk about all the weird fringe stuff that people do that mainstream religious people laugh at. Oh, look at those crazy snake handlers in the right, Appalachian right, right. Hills. Oh, look at those dudes in Barcelona. They're dragging a live goat up to the top of the building and throwing it off to be caught by the crowd because only then will good luck come to the villa. That kind of stuff, right? Uh, you know, goat, right? Scientology and all that kind of stuff, but... But one of the chapters talks about the penis parade of Kawasaki, Japan, where they once a year in February, I believe, to bring good luck to the area, they drag a huge pink penis oh. through town. And uh, the, I guess the people are wearing like fake noses made that are shaped like penises. I mean, it's just a... You know, I mean, I'm going next year if I can. <laughs> I, how do you have a bad time at the penis parade? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you're never walking I, home from the penis parade. Like, how was it? Eh, yeah, you know. 
<laughs> really wish I just want to go so parade, that, you know, I want to go so that some I someone will ask me what I did with my weekend, yeah. you know. <laughs> I want to take my son over summer vacation so we can write an essay. That's yeah. both- <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, it was a great day when they dragged the giant pink phallus through the crowd, <laughs> the throng of thousands. I wonder if it's like running of the bulls where they just let it loose. And like, <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's an impalement, I'm right, out. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's I'm awesome. out. So, Seth, thank fun. you so much for joining us today. Good luck on your trip, and, uh, and we look forward to, uh, to hearing about it when you come back. You guys are fantastic. Uh, thanks for being uh, uh, such a great podcast and for having me on tonight. Great fun. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. You're on cognitive dissonance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> we will relay your kind yeah. sentiments to a different show. Yeah. <laughs> That's That would make a great promo, right? Yeah. You could just make a promo and say, we all know the other podcasts suck. <laughs> we suck less. <laughs> cognitive dissonance. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, that's awesome. I totally have it now. That's great. (laughs) Want to contact the guys? Go to dissonancepod.com to get links to their Google+, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. If you want to contact them directly, send an email to dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Do you want to support the show? go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash dissonance pod or click the link on the podcast homepage and you can donate to the production of cognitive dissonance on a per episode basis if you can't spare any money take a second to give us a five-star review on itunes or stitcher or spread the word about the show we want to send a big heartfelt glory hold to all the patrons and people who rate us you fucking rock this story comes from the New York Daily News. ISIS thugs toss gay man from roof, then stone him to death. And the, the crazy thing about this story, I don't even know why I'm laughing. I do know why I'm laughing. So bear with me. Because they throw this poor man right. from the roof sure, of a building, sure, 80 yeah. feet. Yeah. He lands and he lives. And in fact, he lives and he's sitting up. And one of the dudes is like, hey. You all right? And like comes over to yeah, like you could see somebody like with their hand on him. Like, right, are, are like, you doing good? Or? Oh man, because that totally looks like you just <laughs> fell eighty, 80 feet. feet. Yeah, and then he's like, "Yeah, I could just imagine how that conversation goes." Like, "Well, man, you, that, that's fucked up. That yeah. looks like it really hurt. Are you good? Fucking what? What just happened? I just, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're good. Yeah, I'm fine. Stone him to death. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, we don't want him. We want to make sure that he feels the right. the, the sure. thud of every yeah. rock. Yeah, like if he would have fallen into like a catapult and then got shot <laughs> into say an alligator pit, I guess. <laughs> Just like he dies worse than O.J. Simpson from right? Naked Gun, where he fuck puts his hand in a cake and then in a mouse trap, and then he touches right? the stove, and then right? he falls off a ship. Yeah, so it's 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 that bad. It's literally that bad. Eighty feet off a building. They final destination to this guy. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> It's like a bridge fell right next to him. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. And you know what I want to talk about most in this story, though, Tom, is the. People who are going to say, who are going to post, uh, I saw a post recently this week, and this post was about ISIS, and I guess somebody was captured and held by ISIS, and they said, well, they didn't even see a Koran. They didn't even read the Koran. They didn't pay attention to the Koran, and they were using this as a way to say, 
It's not a religious organization. It's not a religious organization, even though they say they're a caliphate. The name they, of it is the Islamic State. Right. But they don't <laughs> – what they're doing is they're not, they're not reading the Quran. They're not, they're not religious. They're just doing this politically, but they're using that as a, as a figurehead. That's fine and good. Maybe that's true. Then why the fuck are you throwing gay people off a, off a fucking building? Because the only reason you throw a gay person right. off a building is if your religion abhors it. Because I, I've never met a secular person who wanted to do violence on a gay person because they're gay. Never. Yeah, right. It can't. What would the how, how what would the inclination? I don't be? know. Other and, than I, you took my parking spot or I, something like a, yeah, something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. How would you know? The thing is, like, it's not like you're like, oh man, we gotta take the great city of Gatum. Yeah. From, you know, so it's not a thing. So there's no political uh, gain to be had from chucking this dude from the from the top of the building. This right. is like you said. Not only is this clearly religiously motivated, but then it's also symbolic. It's that stoning, right? Yeah, sure. They didn't shoot the guy. They fucking stoned him to right. death. Well, why did they choose to stone him to death? I don't know. Maybe because that's the fucking law as prescribed by your fucking holy book. Yeah. It's not like he, it's not like they made it up. It's not like they were like, well, all we have is rocks. <laughs> I don't know. We took over Syria and, you know, most of Iraq and part. The, the guy, rocks. one guy has, in this picture, one guy has camouflage pants on. There has to be a gun near him somewhere. <laughs> right? They don't wear camouflage yeah. pants without the gun. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's not just, and let's also not pretend that it's, oh, well, it's just one or two guys. When the guy falls, the dude comes to see if he's all right. Then a crowd of angry people surrounds this guy, like incensed that he's still alive with an ISIS flag in the in the left corner. So they run around him like, fucking, we can't believe you survived that horrible atrocity yeah i i know a second atrocity yeah let's yeah let's can we just heap the atrocities right. on today can it just be atrocity wednesday <laughs> this is like a twofer it is they were so happy they were like it's like you got a free dessert at tgi fridays afterwards <laughs> all the people below were like oh man they get to have all the fun at the top of the bill wait he's still alive oh no quick gather your rocks oh terrible gosh. people yeah no i mean it's fucking awful I agree too. I think that it's it's it, there's no way you can look at this and say that it's not religious at all. I also agree that there's no way you can look at it and say it's completely religious because there's plenty of things that they're doing that are completely out of religious context. I'm not saying that they're completely motivated by religion, sure, but they are absolutely motivated by religion at certain points. I right. mean, you can't deny that. And to deny it, it's again, it's this this polarization of arguments, right? You have people on one side that are saying they are in no way. Uh, responsible for this as religious people. They are instead responsible for it as a political entity. I think that's a bullshit argument. And I also think it's a bullshit argument to say, well, they are only responsible to this because it's religion. I think that's a bullshit argument, too. I think that there are there's a there's a meeting in there somewhere where they're, they're using both. You know, yeah. Do we have to address the political concerns they have where they're talking about, you know, what America's doing and how we're handling it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they should address the political concerns. But don't forget that there are religious concerns as well that you are never going to be able to dress you can't just be like well hey all you gay people why don't you guys just kill yourself yeah i don't even know like and, that, and that's and that's the thing is that that's the intractable part right, right. that's the part that you can't there, there's no you cannot be allowed to compromise on religious yeah. concerns yeah. that's the that's the thing that that makes the religious angle that this thing that makes the religious bulwark so difficult to navigate around is that it Religion doesn't allow you to have compromise. Yeah. It does, because what are you going to say? Like, well, I, okay, I believe a little bit that I believe like a little less. Yeah, it's not it's not possible. Right. And it's also the case too that if you use religion as the 
um, now what was the term you used? Like it's it may not be the motivator, but it's the excuse or yeah. you know whatever. Well, how is it able to even act as an excuse? You know, you couldn't use puppy dogs as the excuse, right? <laughs> Maybe there's no. Other- Maybe they're so cute you're throwing people off buildings. It's like, oh god, a Labrador baby! <laughs> oh god, throw stone this motherfucker! <laughs> Look at that goddamn Siamese kitten! I have to throw a rock at a gay man. You know what I mean? Like, so the religion yeah. clearly is functioning. Yeah, it it's not like. It's not like – and so if, if it's functioning as a rationale, then it is part of the problem because if if it wasn't able to function in that role, then nobody would utilize it for that role. But it's the fact that it functions, that it plays that part so well right. that makes it right. a problem sure. that, they can, that they can say, yeah, we'll blame it on the religion. I said, who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? It's Jesus. This story comes from the Friendly Atheist blog. Jesus will be pissed if Christian women go see Fifty Shades of Grey. Good Lord. Carmen Miller, who co-founded the God Over Porn in ministry, so evidently God's a top. Um, is <laughs> <laughs> all worked up that Christian women are going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, and some of the shit, uh, this, I love this. One of the questions here. I have an honest question to ask you, godly women. Would you watch this movie with Jesus sitting next to you? Seriously, would it be just a movie then? I don't know. Did Jesus buy the popcorn? <laughs> you know, like, and Jesus, I got to admit, if you're a girl, Jesus is kind of hot, right? Like, Jesus got maybe, abs. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're thinking, eh, you know. I'd fuck that hole in his side. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll peg the hole in his side. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and it's clear from, from the crucifixion that Jesus is into some BDSM. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, he fucking loves it. He loves a right? good scourging. There, there's a good one here. There's a good line here. It says, pornography is considered to be more addictive than crack cocaine because crack co- t- cocaine can be excreted from the body. I know when I watch porn, I excrete from the body, too. I was going to say. So. <laughs> I don't know if it's the porn coming out, but... <laughs> well, the porn goes in and something comes out. So clearly I'm excreting it. So. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, like the, the idea that like the, this is just one of those things for people to just like drive quickly to the theater to get upset about. Right. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. This like, yeah. This is I saw a titty and it, I was I was yeah. super mad, even though I was in an NC-17 movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I saw a movie about sex and there was sex in it. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, the, the movie is about sex. Like yeah. if you don't. Want to see the movie about sex? You should totally not see the movie about sex. I think he, I think they're mad that that godly women want to see it, and I think the reason why these godly women are excited about seeing it is because they're probably sexually repressed. They're probably you know in some sort of way sexually repressed, and they want to you know go out and experience this you know this thing that sure. they might not be able to experience on their own. Maybe some of them like enjoy or think the idea of being tied up or blindfolded or slightly spanked or whatever goes yeah, on in this right. movie. I saw the trailer by the way and it looks so fucking terrible. It <laughs> seriously looks like the worst fucking movie that was ever created ever. So and it's got like the budget. It it's got what's the girl's name? I can't think of her name. She's got big eyes and she's from uh she's from the the movie with the uh, Devil Wears Prada movie and she's the girl in that movie i don't know that's the only movie i know she's in for sure she's also in the les miserables movie the girl with the big eyes Anne hathaway is the girl i'm thinking of this girl she this girl in this trailer looks like the budget Anne hathaway like she's not (laughs) she's not the real Anne hathaway she's the budget Anne hathaway and then they have this guy who you know 
looks a little studly or whatever. But the the whole idea, and, and you get it from the whole trailer, right? I have no idea what Fifty Shades of Grey about it, except for I've seen a trailer. And the trailer is this dude is like ultra rich, like this super rich dude. His name's Grey. His last name's Grey, and he invites this girl in to like interview him, I guess for a for a paper. She interviews him, and then they start dating. And then there's a point where. He sort of introduces her to be like a little bit of a sadomasochism sort of beating and she enjoys it, I guess, and he enjoys it and they just have a bunch of sex. And she's like really sort of titillated by the fact that he's fucking got gobs and gobs of money. Like, and I'm titillated I'm by titill- it. Yeah, I'd like to hear a little I'm more sure, about yeah. it, actually. So it, and that's exa- I mean, that was the movie right. in a nutshell. And I have no idea how it ends. I don't care. I don't care about I the movie itself. I know how all itself. those movies end. Well, look. <laughs> I know how I end. <laughs> They end the same yeah, way. But it's just a question of where it ends. Right. <laughs> and whether or not the person rubs it in. No, but you have uh you have uh, uh, I think a lot of people out there who see this uh this this film as a way to escape their own sexuality for a little while. They got the way to go out and say, you know, Maybe this isn't something with that, that I do with my partner, but it is something I fantasize about. And sure. I think there are plenty of things that people do fantasize about but would never do with their partner because it sure. just, it's just not a thing that they would do because now there's a I – think, I think, Now because there's another human involved. A, yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and the people are scared yeah. or you know, their and partner's the, and not the people into it. Or? And the people in your fantasy are just cardboard cutouts, right? Yeah, right. They're a, they're a cutout. They're not a human being. So you could basically just fucking do whatever you want to right. your fantasies whereas there's another human being involved and just the very physics of it is difficult. So, <laughs> you know, so you have a – you have a – I think – I think that there is going to be this level of it, but I think that um, the reason why they're they're lashing out against this so much is because uh, because I think that they they want to make sure that they recognize that that sex is still an inherent evil in the in the culture, and I think that they want to make sure that they that all their followers realize that even though sex feels fun, it's not good. Yeah. Well, you know, you said something that struck me as interesting. You said that you know, like th- these people who are criticizing this. Um, they're upset that they're that these Christian women want to see the movie, and and it strikes me that that they're not so upset that the movie is made. It's that I think that people get they get upset that they don't have the kind of control over people's sexuality right. that they want to have. That's true. Yeah, they want to have. So in an ideal world, this movie would get released. And none of the Christian women would go see this movie, right? right? Because, because they, they wouldn't even want to see Because they're godly women. They would be like, well, I, they, would, they would not have a desire to see this movie. Sure. Yeah. And I think that- My that, husband's cock is the only thing I right. want. I yeah. can't even- And I only yeah. want that to make babies. Yeah. You know? And that's like, like once every nine months. Right. That's yeah. it. And that's then it. I'm going to make 17 of them. D- that's yeah. it. I'm duggering that yeah, thing right out. Fucking A. Yep. Yeah. So, but it's the fact, I think what really bugs them is that- is that they don't have that control, that people do want to be sexual, that people do uh, recognize that their religious controls are at odds with their own sexual desires and feelings and that their sexuality um, won't be reined in by this nonsensical bullshit. And I think they look at that and they're like, well, why do you want to see this? It's You shouldn't want – but everybody – they still want to see right, it. Right. They still want it because well, they recognize their sexuality. And that's why they rally against porn too. They rally right. against it all the time. They say no porn, no porn. You say, well, if you if you believed in God, why would you care if other people Wouldn't enjoyed porn? The problem is also – I think that uh, that they want to not only do they want to control their followers, but they want to control other people too. They want to make sure that other people have no outlets as well. And their excuse, they'll tell you, is like, well, it leads them into sin. It leads them into sin, right? right and that, right. that's the excuse. Wakefield is not just any researcher. His 1998 study on autism and childhood vaccines literally changed the way many parents think about vaccines. The study was based on just 12 children. That's right, 12 children. 
but many parents desperate for answers around the world embraced Wakefield's claim that he'd found a link between autism and the vaccine for measles, mumps, and rubella. So this story comes from the raw story. Minnesota anti-vaxxer, yeah, measles kills, but you can't base your life on a few people. Says someone who's not one of those few people. No kidding. Right? Like, this is like, oh, hang on a minute. Let me call privilege and see what they have to say about this. <laughs> bring, bring, bring. Mm, yes. Hello. Let me adjust my monocle made of diamonds before I answer this phone call. Mm, yes. This is privilege speaking. I'm answering from my perfect, flawless body in yeah. my mansion made out of donuts. How may I help you? Am I speaking through my teeth? Well enough? <laughs> Hang on, hang on. My manservant isn't holding the phone proper. <laughs> right, that's exactly it. What I, what I love is the idea that you're going to say something like this and you're going to completely ignore how public health policy even works. Right. To say that. <laughs> you didn't even understand how this works. Whatever. <laughs> I read a story recently where they're talking about how they're going to remove the law that allows you to just, for belief purposes, not allow people to get fucking vaccines. Because currently, if you want to avoid getting vaccines... You can, I know in our state and in other states, and they're trying to outlaw it in California, where you can just walk into the government office or even, it's not even government office. It's, you can walk into, uh, you can walk into like this, I think probably the school or other places where you can get a form that says, I believe in this weird shit and so I don't have to get my kid vaccinated. Yeah, there's a philosophical objection and then there's a religious objection. Yeah, and so if you don't, if you had either of those, you could just get your kid exempt from getting these these vaccines well they wind up uh you know with this huge case of measles that happens because people start not vaccinating their children in in you know california and so now they're thinking about striking the law down and you know that law i think that law is a bad law because it allows it allows people to get around when they are completely capable of having these this you know these these vaccines given to their children they get around it, and then they create these public health problems that are problems for people who can't get the vaccine. It's not the I don't care about the people who didn't vaccinate their kids. You know, those people fucking, they, they got to sleep in the fucking bed they made. You know what I mean? That's your fucking problem and your kid's problem if he gets measles and dies and whatever. You fucking made that bed. You sleep in it now. I'm worried about the immune deficiency kid who can't get the fucking vaccine. I'm worried about your kid who's too goddamn young to get the vaccine right? yet. Yeah, I you know, and I'm I'll tell you like I'm worried about the kid who's got shitty parents and it's no fault of his right. or hers, right. right? The fucking kid's like, I got shitty parents <clears throat> and then they're dead. Yeah. Like because they got you know, the the people who pay the price are the people who aren't even making the goddamn decision. The decision maker isn't the one paying the piper. It's bullshit. You know, and and this person uh who's making this claim it says Yes, on occasion someone gets measles and dies, but you can't base your life on a few people. Christine Abel of Vaccine Awareness recently told local news outlet Fox 9, unsurprisingly. And then she says, you have to ask, what's wrong with them? Why do they die when most people don't die? And the Yes, okay, let's ask that question. It's because maybe they're fucking immune deficient or they're infants or they're elderly. Are their lives less valuable? Well, no. What you have to do is when you have a child who has glasses, you have to hit them in the head with a hammer until they die. Right. Because they're clearly lesser than all the other children. And she says this weird thing. Like, she says, quote, these vaccine-presentable diseases, preventable diseases, I'm sorry. No, she says presentable. That's what it says here. These (laughs) vaccines, that's not, that's got to be a transcription error. These vaccine-preventable diseases for most people are not a problem. I disagree. Polio is a fucking problem, right? Like, that's 
not a good thing. I also don't think any of those diseases are necessarily sure. a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, this says you get sick, you get well, just like labor. You have pain, you get over it. What are we? Are, are we? Are we looking to go back to the fucking Stone Age? Are we looking to go back to a world where we're just like, yeah, well, some people just get sick, so why should we wash our hands? You know, like fucking some people just. We just fuck it. Let's just throw away all the medicine. Some people get sick. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I, I will say, like, personally, selfishly, you know, I've got cough variant asthma. If I get a chest infection, like, you know, I, I fucking cough for six fucking months and it can get it can get more than annoying. It can, it can get to the point where it's very difficult it's for me to work. It's debilitating. Yeah. yeah. It's very difficult for me to work and do stuff. So, like, I don't fucking need this shit in my life. Maybe that's why people should go around getting because it's not just it's not just immune deficient people. There's a whole bunch of yeah. reasons why diseases are bad for you. I they're diseases. I saw this picture this week, and uh, it was a meme or somebody posted. I think it was on Reddit, and the title was something like, um, "This is what life was like before vaccines," and it showed a picture of maybe fifty iron lungs in a room, all filled with kids. Yeah. Right. You know, is that the is that the fucking world you want to fucking go in your way back machine to this lady? You know, what yeah. I mean, this is a lady who thinks that, you know, you got to whip a horse and it'll get stronger or something. I don't even know what kind of weird fucking Nietzsche like world she lives in. But it's it's really clearly, you know, she's this is exactly the privilege thing you're talking about. She clearly did not get sick or get that sick from these diseases and feels like, oh, who cares? It's not that big a deal. Well, it's not that big a deal to a lot of people, but it is that big a deal to some people. Right. And it's going to, you know, it, maybe it's not your kid, but, you know, it's somebody's kid. And if you don't have empathy for that, you're a fucking awful human being. Yeah. Why would you why would you be like, oh, well, you know, we'll just give this kid like fucking mumps or rubella or pertussis like that's a terrible thing for somebody to have to go through. And just because somebody walks out the other side of it doesn't mean that they didn't have to endure something awful that might have, you know, damaged their lungs or caused them to go blind. Like, we only look at fatality, too. That's the other thing. It's like these conversations, they center exclusively around the issue of fatality, as if fatality tells the entire story yeah, right, of disease. Right. But fatality doesn't tell the entire story of disease. And. To look at it in that way is to is to deny the whole scope of the disease and the effect that it has on people's lives. How much time that you know those kids in the iron lungs that you mentioned, like, well, they survived, so they wouldn't be marked in the tally, but like, their lives are irreparably changed and not for the better. Nobody's ever like, my life's so much better now that I can't run and walk. Right, and, I can't do know. things. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So, but they're not fatalities, right? So we wouldn't chalk them up on that on that loss column. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. This story comes from Right Wing Watch. Pat Robertson opposes vaccination mandates. Questions water fluoridation. I like that he just throws that one in there. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's question. just like, yeah. and while we're at it, what about the chemtrails? You know what? Like, <laughs> and you know... I also I don't trust the Easter Bunny. He's got yeah. shifty eyes. And have we seen Obama's birth certificate? Right? It's just yeah. like, what, what are you talking about? Let's play this clip. This is uh, Pat Robertson from the 700 Club. You know, when I was a kid. 175 years ago. Back when I was a kid. Back, back when the war between the states was just heating up. Back when I was a kid and we would siege the castle next door. <laughs> I was the first kid. My 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 dad Kane and his yeah. brother Abel. 
we all got measles. <laughs> we got mumps. Yeah, I did too. You got mm -hmm. But they didn't vaccinate. We just got immune. <laughs> you got sick. <laughs> no, no. No, they never got sick. They just got immune just back got then. A, yeah, right, right. yeah. Back when I was a kid, we just... We got the mumps, you know, and some of us died from that, yeah. but I didn't. How would you, the thing is, is like he said, we just got immune. So they never got the disease, they just got immune. How would you even know you got immune? <laughs> <laughs> but what you had to do was stay in a dark room. You couldn't read for, you know, a week or two. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing. I'm sure that there's some serious consequences to measles, and perhaps vaccination is the answer. To measles? To beetles? <laughs> To the Beatles. Hey, hey, we're the Beatles. <laughs> Isn't that the monkeys? Could be. I don't think any parent should be forced by the government to vaccinate. Uh, there's so many different vaccinations. and well, That's where we disagree, tiny beady eyed yeah. fucking Pat. Because that's how public pol policy works. That's how public health policy works. If you don't fucking vaccinate everybody, then people wind up fucking slipping through the cracks and you get hundreds and hundreds of people without fucking vaccinations that now suddenly spread that disease to other people. There was a vaccination against polio. And I, I know the, uh, the mother of a friend uh, was contracted polio because she took from the, the vaccine. From the vaccine. So all vaccines are not benign. And since then, there's been no fucking polio. You know, like, I want to point that out. Like, yes, maybe on occasion... Um, People have yeah, contracted yeah. polio. And there's bad reactions to vaccines. They're not, they're not fucking completely blameless. It's not like a fucking panacea. There's some problems. Right. But but polio has been nearly eradicated from the face of the planet yeah. at this point. So you cannot possibly say that from a policy perspective, and that's the way you got to look at these things, like from a public policy perspective, which did which, which was the right decision for government to make? Was it to just say, like, oh, we got this vaccination. Maybe you should get it. I don't know. I got no yeah. real opinion on it. Yeah. Or was it to say, hey, we've got this vaccination. It's incredibly effective. And, yes, there is a very, very, very small likelihood that somebody might get sick. But I'll tell you what, you, there was already a likelihood that people were going to get fucking polio. And that's, right? the, that's the problem is – and that polio was – Awful and debilitating right. and ruined your fucking life. And a lot of people got it right. all the fucking time. And so you suddenly take that out of the equation, you know, and you have a level of, you know, protection from this from this disease. And it suddenly gets eradicated. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's what they're doing is they're erroneously comparing the world we live in post polio. Yeah. Right. That was given to us because of the polio vaccine. And they're saying, well, I mean, the only way you get polio now is through the vaccine. Well, motherfucker, why do you think that's the case? Yeah. It's because we don't get it naturally because the vaccine wiped it out across the board. What would be the alternative solution? No vaccines? Vaccines for uh, some people? I mean, it's like, it's fucking, you know, abortions for all. Yeah. Hide the American flags. Like, yeah. it's, 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 we're not even comparing the same shit anymore. But so far, this um, one about whooping cough uh, and mm -hmm. diphtheria and measles has been very effective and i think it was a good thing to do and so why not why not <laughs> what are you even saying he's all over the board i know he's like he some like, people are good some of these vaccines are okay some of them suck some of them give you polio <laughs> right, it's, 
Know, why not? Nobody even gets the polio vaccine anymore in America. But anyway, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, get this, but on. Maybe I don't get it. I don't know. I'm just yeah. a rambling old man who controls his thoughts as well as his bladder, yeah. which is to say, not at all. Um, but the problem is, natural immunity is a pretty good thing. And if you have some of these diseases when you're a kid, you have immunity the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And well, those of us who travel a lot too. I mean, you you are wise to take vaccinations for various countries that you go to. But uh, so are you saying that you think the bigger issue is that the government shouldn't be telling parents whether they have to or not? I I just think that, you know, we've got to be careful that we fall for these nostrums. You know, you have to put uh, fluoride in all the water, you know, because it'll... uh, cut down on cavities, but what does fluoride do to people? Yeah. We, we don't know some of the consequences. That's all I'm saying. We don't have all the knowledge we need, and we should be very careful to uh, not to force people to do stuff that they urgently feel they shouldn't do. What does it do to people? It's clear. It's an end of the water system, so what does it do to people? Well, they're all dead. Well, that's... <laughs> We're all dead. No, didn't you notice we're all died? We, we've all died. We've all died from the water. Yeah, we we basically poisoned our water. I mean, you know that you can't. I mean, Cecil, let's stop fucking around. You know that you can't drink water, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you just die. Yeah. You just die. Everybody knows that if you drink water, you'll die. I love the the argument from this though, and this happens with vaccines all the time too. They're like they'll say, "Oh, I can't give my kid vaccines because it'll hurt him or whatever," and then you look at the vast majority of people because you know when you're talking about california getting the people in california getting uh the measles 100 people or so have been infected california's a huge fucking state sure i mean millions and millions and millions of people we're talking about here and they wind up with just 100 people so clearly vaccinations are still happening what's the argument when you look at all these people in the world and you see that everybody else is fucking normal everybody else is living a normal life how do you look at that as a person and say okay i don't want to get vaccines because I think it's going to hurt me. Yet everybody else, clearly the evidence in front of me is that everybody else already has these things and it's not hurt anybody. The same thing with right. the water. I don't want to, I don't want fluoride in the water. Okay, well, a lot of people have fluoride in the water. Most of the people who drink from I think everybody in the United States who has municipal water has fluoride. Okay, well, what happened to them? Uh, nothing. <laughs> right. Okay, well, then what's we your- We need bigger studies. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your fucking evidence, man? Right. And do you just fucking, do you say, well, I don't care. I just don't want it in there. Yeah, oh, that's the thing. It's like, what what they don't want is the government to make any decisions ever yeah. about anything, period. Yeah. Fucking – it's because the thing is it's not about data sets, right? This is not about the data. This is not – because like you said, it's like, well, we've got 370 million data sets. It's not like someone's like, well, until you get 371 million, I'm not really convinced. <laughs> you know, no one's doing that. Instead, it's just like what they're upset about is, you know, get off my fucking land. You know, yeah. you can't tell me what to do. I got, I got rights. You can't go around putting – Chemicals in my waters, you know. Like, <laughs> right, right. Good God, you fucking dumbass hillbillies. <laughs> but <clears throat> obviously, vaccination for measles—they've got one. It works, and why not? I remember when my son Gordon, my wife was having a baby. Our number, how many we Three. got? <laughs>
Sarah Palin, motherfucker. He's, he's just sitting there so fucking out of dimension that he has no idea how many children he has. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. Oh, my God. If people listen to this guy and get information from him. I need some advice. Let's call a guy who doesn't know. Like, there's not that many more events in your life that are a bigger deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. He was three, right? He, my number four was having the baby. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> and, and, and Danny was in charge while mother was having the baby. And he had measles. And, and oh, it dear. broke my heart. He was so sick. Yeah. Eyes all messed up. Terrible fever. I mean, it was a mess. Yes. And you say, what can I do for this child? Get him a vaccine. <laughs> I know, right? Like, that's... I don't know. Maybe yeah. we could all decide collectively that everybody should yeah. not have to endure that. I, I think that's good, though, that he, that even Pat Robertson is saying, no, it's a yeah, shitty, fucking, awful, yeah. fucking terrible time. For sure. It's not a fun time for anybody involved. The kids, the parents, it sucks. It's awful. And something needs to be done about it. So I want to thank our newest patrons, Matt G, Matt H., M informed, Finn, Chris, Katie, Nathan, Sin, and Angus. Thank you all so much for donating. We appreciate everybody who's donated to the show and everybody who supports the show. We appreciate all the people who leave uh, reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to leave a review on there, a nice review, a five-star review, <laughs> you could maybe push down the negative reviews we recently got. So we'd appreciate that if you have a, if you enjoy the show. If you don't like the show, please stop listening and go listen to something you like and rate that something high. Yeah, I don't, you know, that's a real simple solution to yeah. a real simple problem. You know, I don't like this thing. Go get a different yeah. thing. It's a free thing. <laughs> it's a free thing. thing. <laughs> We want to thank everybody who supports the show. Though. I mean, it's 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 a, it's great that you do it, and uh, and this week there's going to be a little piece of uh, of extra content specifically for patrons. We recorded a little tiny piece that we want to put on there, so about five minutes, I think, worth of stuff um, that we put on there for patrons only. So uh, so if you're a patron, go check it out, uh, and uh, and we hope you enjoy it. So we want to throw a, a shout out to uh, to Alfredo. Alfredo had sent us a message and said, "Hey, I can help you guys with some web stuff." And uh, we've been trading emails back and forth, and we just wanted to thank Alfredo, you know, publicly to say thank you for going out of your way to helping us out with our website and talking to us about it and trying to make sure uh, it looks better and it works better for people. So uh, behind the scenes, Alfredo's working hard to um, to make sure that happens. So we want to thank him. Uh, yeah. That's really awesome. What a kind thing to do. Thank you so much. I mean, and I sure wasn't going to do it. Come so. on. Nobody thought you were going to do it. <laughs> so we want to mention, uh, we got a message from Cindy, and Cindy says that the Free Thought Festival in Madison, Wisconsin is going to be happening uh, in the very near future. So if you're interested in going up to Madison, Wisconsin, the Free Thought Festival is going to be March 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, it should be a great time. I don't know that Tom and I are going to be able to make it up there this year, uh, especially with ReasonCon right around the corner from that. Yeah. It's going to be too hard to be like one month somewhere, one month somewhere else, but... Uh, but we hope people have a really good time at the Free Thought Festival. Um, and you can find anything you want about that uh, festival by going to freethoughtfestival.org. And also, Madison, Wisconsin is actually a really it's fun town. It's a beautiful town. city. It's, it's a, a really cool city, man. It really is. I, I absolutely adore Madison. I think it's wonderful. I think it's uh, it's it's a great, really fun place to go. They have good food, good beer, oh, uh, awesome. really beautiful city. Just a beautiful city to look at. So it's a cool place. If you, if you haven't been up there ever, it's a really nice place to go. So why are we going to Hickory, North Carolina? 
We could get to Mass in an hour and 30 minutes. And and then you can leave too early if right? you wanted. Yeah, I, know, I don't know. Uh, we I make all know. the wrong decisions. We got a lot of feedback from a bunch of different people about the, uh, the, the story I told about my father passing away last uh, episode. A bunch of people said it really you know, touched them. A lot of things similar happened to them. We got a bunch of email about it. Uh, you know, we think that, you know, sometimes this, this show, most of the time it's dick jokes and dead kid jokes and we recognize that. But then once in a while, we hope we can do something or say something that is, that is worthwhile for people. And and this really resonated. One thing I do want to say, uh, go to grief beyond belief if you're having issues and having problems. This is a, it's a great resource for our community. It is one of those things that, uh, that our community puts out for people who are non-believers, and that can be a really tough time in your life. So if you are looking for some community that that you can talk to about this sort of thing and you're still struggling with it, I know the people who sent us emails aren't, but I'm just saying the people that if you if you do off are struggling with this, this is a good resource for you. So Grief Beyond Belief is a great place to go. Got a message from Kevin, and he sent us a bunch of Futurama sound bites. I don't know that I'm going to be able to use the third one, but the couple of good ones about science that I really liked. So uh, I'm going to play a couple of them now. Hail science! <laughs> I like that one. That's that was great. great. That doesn't sound very scientific. Not to the layman, no. But that's how it works. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good one, too. So thank you, Kevin, for sending them in. So nice of you to, to take the time, too, to edit those out for us and find them and send them. Really great. We got a message uh, from Matt, and Matt says, I wanted to express my enjoyment for your unapologetic continued use of, of the Chicagoland lexicon. I love this. And then he went through to list all the stuff that people from Chicagoland would recognize and know and would utilize. And there's some really great ones in here. Oh, I, this list was so comprehensive, and it just feels like home to Yeah, it. it's awesome. It's great. I Some of these are great. Uh, clearly... You know, when you talk about uh, football, you talk about uh, the 85 Bears and you talk about the two big names, well, three big names. Walter Payton is one big name, but he put on there the Fridge the and Ditka. The Fridge and Ditka. Yeah, yeah, those are two right? big names That's from awesome. that. Yeah. Vienna Beef is right? another one. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what got me is the is the the top list, the commercials, because they're like they were like the jingles and like the slogans that like defined my t- rabid TV watching childhood. Yeah, you know, like the Salozzi and Edelson Chevrolet. And my wife actually met one of the Salozzi or Edelsons, and I oh went to which one, wow. and said he was a total douchebag. <laughs> And he was he was a huge dickhead. Like he's like one of these like super entitled holier than thou kind of walk around rich prick yeah, kind of guys. And yeah. she's like, oh, but he was still super excited because he's like this weird local celebrity. I know, I know. You know? Yeah, the golf mill Ford push it. Pull, pull it. it. Yeah. Throw yeah. it to yeah. golf mill Ford. <laughs> I will throw in the golf one that mill he Ford, thank you very much for your kind donation. <laughs> You know which one that he missed is Victory, Victory Auto, Auto Records. Yeah, they Victory. haven't changed that commercial in thirty years. Every time that guy pulls his door off, I think, <laughs> haven't you learned yet? You open the door and the door falls off. You should learn from that. You, if you don't know what we're talking about, just YouTube. I'm sure you can Victory YouTube Auto Victor, Victory Auto Records and, and watch the. And watch the great the thing is the, the watch that that guy's wearing in that commercial has come around full circle. It's back in style. <laughs> it's back in style. It was a dinner plate, and now it's actually a watch. <laughs> Uh, we got a message from James, and James says uh, that he was he's talking about the Fort Collins thing again, but I think this one is the most relevant comment we've got on the Fort Collins uh, Air Force Base. He says, 
Furthermore, the Air Force has bases and the Army has forts. So why in the hell would one of the Air Force Academy be in a fort? (laughs) The most relevant comment we got. That was great. Very, very funny. Thank you very much. Uh, before we close out the show, we want to thank Seth Andrews for coming on and just being a great guy. We had a great time talking to him. We are going to be on his show in March. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the dates. When the dates come up, we'll let you know. But we're going to be on his show in the future, uh, and we'll let you know when that comes out. If you are interested in checking him out in Australia, go to unholytrinitydownunder.com. Dot com. There'll be a link for this on this episode show notes, episode 206. Uh, I'll also put a video. There's a short trailer that he put together for the Unholy Trinity down, uh, downunder.com. You can check out that trailer as well on the show notes. Uh, check out his podcast, The Thinking Atheist. The guy is a total professional. I mean, there are people that that a lot of people talk about in our in our group of atheist podcasts. There's people who they point out to as this is an amazing show and they do a lot yeah. of, you know, whatever. This is the, I think, one of the only professional people we have. Yeah. You know, there are people who want to play professional. This guy is professional. And his show is is perfectly produced every time. He's a wonderful host and he's a he's a very, very uh, understanding person and has a very uh, unique worldview that I think a lot of people could benefit from. So check his show out. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, We're going to be back with two episodes next week, and we're going to leave you, as we always do, with The Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno-Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo-quasi-alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead, pan, sales pitch, late night infodocutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death in towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques, and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. 